uh, Chicago State, Dr. Z, they are just partners in the community, partners here with WVON. And this is why, because they want to be at the forefront of information that's going out to the community that impacts the African-American community. This is a part of them being educators, also bonding with our community in very strong ways. Today we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 through public health, social, and economic impact that it's having on us, vaccinations, what is the possibility that uh, vaccinations don't listen to your president because he's got all kind of crazy things going. And, of course, social distancing, which is a huge challenge for us is this past weekend. More to come, guys. Warm weather. Sky's going to be clear. People are going to want to get out there. What are the ways that we can help protect ourselves? And, you know, talking about mothers, protect our mothers, our elderly, our seniors. On the live line with us, guys, we have Dr. Uh, uh, Ernst Coupe, who is um, a professor of accounting and finance. Also, we have Dr. Tiffany Y. Davis, associate professor of sociology. Also on the live line with us, we have Professor Janine L. Marshall, of clinical associate professor in pharmacy practice, and also Professor George R. Smith, Jr., assistant professor, health studies. Everybody, welcome to WVON. And and thank you for participating in this conversation. Obviously, the importance of it doesn't need to be stated because we know what COVID-19 is doing to our community. And, And I'll go in the order that I just announced and just let you guys kind of, you know, introduce yourselves and, and just do a little opening and, you know, your concerns, your thoughts about this historic moment that we are in that nobody has ever seen before. So, uh, Dr. Coupe, I'll start with you. Doc, are you there? Dr. Coupe? Oh, maybe we don't have him. How about, uh, Dr. Davis? Are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. Thank you so much for hey, having yeah. me. Okay. Um, so I guess lots of thoughts, uh, just kind of in general, uh, as myself, I'm a sociologist. So I've been more interested in some of the social impacts and the ways in which we, um, are kind of understanding and comprehending the way in which the black community is not only experiencing COVID, but reacting to it and some of the mandates that have come out, especially around the stay at home orders. I think, um, you know, you mentioned, and I don't, I don't want to jump around too much. I don't know what the order wanted to be, but uh, just, I'll just say in general that I think it's important that when we look at what's going on, that we do so and in a way in which we're contextualizing everything in a social and historical um, embeddedness and way in which we understand what got us here today, yeah. right? So we talk about the pre-existing conditions that. Uh, plenty of African-Americans suffer from, but in a lot of ways, simply being black in American society is a pre-existing condition, right? Uh, Simply being black by virtue of the way in which race is structured in our society, you absolutely will be predisposed to inadequate health care, lack of access to quality education, quality housing. Um, And in many ways, the black community has been quarantined socially, politically, and geographically in the city of Chicago and in a lot of uh, major cities in uh, the nation prior to this actual quarantine around COVID-19. And so as we get into some more of the specifics, my comments will be embedded uh, in, in those things, mm-hmm. in, those, in the ways in which I would hope that we're careful to, uh, like I said, um, really think about the processes 
the long processes uh, that have happened historically that have gotten us here to this point uh, that are causing us to see this disparate impact of COVID-19. All right. Good deal. Love it. Uh, great opening spot. Uh, is uh, Dr. Coupe back on the line with us? Nope, not yet. We're working to get him. We accidentally dropped him, so we're working to get him back on. So I'll go to Professor Marshall. Just a brief opening statement, Professor Marshall. Professor Marshall, please. Hi, yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on the program. I'm a clinical pharmacist in internal medicine, so my interest has been in, one, the social distancing piece, especially since uh, one out of five African Americans do not have, or excuse me, are able to work from home. So that means the rest of us need to go into work, and we're now being these essential workers. So the impact of that, and also as a pharmacist, the vaccine. And I want our community to be involved and be vaccinated as it becomes available. Mm. That is important. You know, I'm one of those people who I've never had a flu shot in my life. And, you know, every time, oh, no. every time people say get a flu shot, I'm like, ah, man, I'm not getting a flu shot. You know, I'm so I, I, I'm sure when this vaccine comes out, uh, Professor, I'm going to have to change my mindset on on that quickly <laughs> and effectively. No doubt about it. Yes. It, it, it is something that uh, a lot of us is just going to have to uh, do. And hopefully a vaccine will come out. Uh, in a timely manner because we are losing too many uh, people in our community, too many of our loved ones. The order actually went the way it's supposed to have the ladies uh, speak first, and I will uh, bring on uh, Dr. Coupe and also Professor Smith, and then we'll get into uh, this conversation, uh, guys, as we're talking about COVID-19. This special broadcast debunking the myths, COVID-19 in the black community. We've got uh, four professors on with us from Chicago State University. In a previous segment, you heard from uh, Dr. Tiffany Davis, and Professor uh, Gene Marshall. Now I'd like to bring on uh, Dr. Ernst Coupe. Doc, are you there? Yes, sir. There we go. We dropped you. Sorry about that earlier. Just a, okay. a brief one-minute statement, if you can, uh, you know, about this whole thing and, and uh, the topic we're about to tackle right now. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I've been a longtime member of the VON family. Um, so I, I come from the uh, economics uh, background. Uh, my all of my research primarily have been in uh, macroeconomics. So I've been looking at this uh, COVID issue from the perspective of the black uh, community, looking at the, uh, the employment issues that we've had in the city of Chicago forever and uh, looking at it from a, from a macro from, a, from all over the country and looking to see what lessons we can learn from the crises that we've experienced in the past and how we can apply it to COVID. That's that, those are my areas of interest. I primarily uh, teach uh, finance at Chicago State University, my beloved. Uh, so that's where I come from. Good. Also, Professor George R. Smith on the live, Jr. on the live line with us, associate professor of health studies. Same thing, uh, Professor. Just a, a brief intro, if you can. Sure. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Health Studies at Chicago State University. Uh, my background is in public health, and I'm more specifically interested in social determinants of health as well as racial um, inequity in health. Um, I'm very passionate about um, prevention. So that's one thing that I really would like to talk today about, um, how 
we as African Americans can play a part in preventing the spread the spread of COVID nineteen. So I look forward to participating um, in today's discussion, and I too am a long time listener of WVON. So let's start right there with you, then, Professor. You you mentioned you know how we can prevent the spread of it. Obviously, that's at the, should be at the top of mind of everybody in our community when you see the uh, devastating effects that COVID nineteen has had on us. Uh, so I'd like to direct this to you, and and of course to Professor Marshall on on what is the best way. We've heard of social distancing. People are doing that. But, of course, we're being challenged right now with the weather changing and cabin fever and everything else. So I would say definitely social distancing. So that we have the science is on our side and helping us to prove that social distancing works. Because, as you know, the COVID um, virus is spread through um, it's a respiratory illnesses. So it's spread through sputum or droplets that come from our nose or our mouth. So if you're practicing safe um, social distancing, which is about six feet apart, that will help to eliminate the spread of the disease. But more importantly, making sure that you, when you're out in the public and following the directors of the governor as well as the the, the head of the Illinois Department of Public Health of wearing a mask. But one thing that I would definitely like to say outside of social distancing is hand washing. We must wash our hands. Not only will hand washing prevent the spread of COVID, but it will also prevent the spread of several um, infectious diseases. We're looking at cold. We're looking at flu. Um, we look at some, sometimes even cases of food poisoning. So I really want to emphasize that though in the African-American um, communities, we may be under-resourced, but we do have the capacity and we do have um, the ability to do some preventive things like social distancing and hand washing. You know, Professor Marshall, I'd I'd like you to chime in on this because I know there's been a lot of attention uh, brought to hand sanitizer and uh, and the effect that that has. And I understand there's different strengths of hand sanitizer. And and uh, what what do we know or what should we know and what precautions should we be taking along with washing our hands? Yes, you can use hand sanitizer, especially if you're not able to wash your hands. But. I just have to reiterate what Dr. Smith said. Good old-fashioned soap and water <laughs> kills a majority of things. So wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And if you are not able to wash your hands because of where you are, go ahead and carry hand sanitizer. But as soon as you can get to a place to wash your hands, wash your hands. Is the, is the challenge what we know or what we don't know about this virus when it comes to how it's spread? And anybody can take that. Well, I think, I think, think, I'm sorry, go ahead. um, This is Dr. Smith. I think some of the challenges that we weren't really sure of how it's um, spreading, uh, we didn't know, but we're getting more information on a daily basis. So we're finding more about preventive um, possibilities, looking at vaccines, we're looking at treatment. So it's sort of like I like to tell my students, it's a fluid situation and and, um, advances and um, changes are happening on a daily basis. And so I just like to tell everyone, we survived the uh, some greater pandemics before, particularly the Spanish flu in 1918 and 1919. We as humans will survive this, but we will be better. And we will have to look at some of our um, interaction and some of our socialization to make sure that we prevent the spread of COVID-19, but also future infectious diseases. Guys, you are tuning in to Debunking the Myths 
COVID-19 in the black community brought to you by our friends at Chicago State University for amazing uh, professors uh, from Chicago State University on the live line with us. Ernest Coupe, Tiffany Davis, Gene Marshall, George R. Smith, Jr. Talk, tackling all these uh, different topics, guys, public health, social and economic impact, which we know is tremendous possibility of a vaccination. And uh, we've talked about the importance of social distancing. I want to turn it over to Kimberly Agoen because uh, I know she's got several questions for you guys. Kimberly, go. Yeah, you know, I really want to ask a question of the professor of sociology, Dr. Davis. This idea that we're, we are in the middle of a pandemic, which, of course, is an emergency situation, but the black community in and of itself, you know, if we were looking from the outside in, um, it looks like an emergency is what we're living every day. And the pandemic has only exacerbated the problem. If you're a member of this community trying to go through this pandemic, trying to hold it all together while you're still suffering from lack of resources, et cetera, how do you hold that together? How do you operate um, as a sociologist? What, what are some of the things that you would tell us in this community how we should be operating to try and maximize on improving our conditions both in the pandemic but also long term? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um you know, I, I do think that the stay-at-home order and quarantining is uh, important, and it's been making a difference in terms of keeping numbers low. Uh, but I, as, for outsiders, I think that we have to understand, uh, because we've heard a lot of criticism, right, about the black community and uh, folks not uh, self-quarantining at the rates as other communities, and I think we have to understand that a lot of black people uh, in Chicago are, you know, they were once low-skilled, low-wage workers. That's how we classified their jobs and didn't give them a whole lot of respect. And then now overnight they're being called essential workers, uh, and they are. Um, but at the same time that they're essential, they're still expendable. And they understand this, right, and they understand this shift, and they understand that a portion of society can stay home and work from home precisely because they have to still go out and work. And so, you know, and I, I would ask for folks to be sensitive, sensitive to that and understand that's part of the process that's going on. Um, and, you know, we've been critical of, you know, what we saw the other weekend with young folks being out and kind of partying. Um, I caution people, too, to be careful with that because, Again, as we said, a lot of these people haven't been able to self-quarantine the way that others have. And so in a lot of senses, their daily life it is definitely changed and has been impacted, especially people who have kids and now have to, you know, involve themselves at schooling their kids at home and, you know, daycare and things of that nature. But for people who are still getting up and going to their nine-to-fives, and sometimes in some cases, even more. Right now, people are being asked to work overtime and things of that nature. So I, so their perception and their experience of the stay-at-home order has been qualitatively different. Um, and to go back to kind of our critique of people who have been out, I think we have to be careful because we've seen people all around the city from all different neighborhoods and backgrounds being out. It's just who and how we've chosen to focus on certain groups. But at the end of the day, the quarantine, is it's hard. It's very necessary. You know, I totally support it. But folks are getting restless. 
Um, but I think when we shine the light on one group, or, you know, on African-Americans in a way different from how we look at other groups when they are breaking quarantine, then we come away with a different perception, right? We saw over and over the video of the house party, um, and, you know, it, the rhetoric was, oh, this is deviant, they're breaking the quarantine, what do we do? This is, you know, it, it, even the governor ended up addressing it on his address the next day. But people on the other side of town were doing the same thing. You know, and just last weekend, the mayor came back and she said, you know, talked about how, you know, she was instituting these punitive measures of uh, fining folks and would take you to jail. But I thought it was interesting that she did that press conference in where was she, I believe, West Garfield. And shortly after she went and she told the young man to go home. But and so it's really easy to um, treat people. And, and she said, she said, we will treat you like a criminal. And it's really easy to treat people like a criminal when you've already criminalized them in the public eye. And so I guess to go back to your original question, I, I would, you know, definitely Again, like I said, I support the quarantine, and I do want people in our community to take it as seriously as they can and just be cautious, but also with their understanding. And we have to understand that these folks, a lot of these folks are now considered essential workers and have to be out in the world every day. I think that that's a really, really good point. And now that we're talking about the self-quarantine, but also if you listen today, the governor, Governor Prisker, talked about how the process of reopening the state, even though we are still suffering from this virus. Dr. Coupe, I'm not sure if I'm saying your name is uh, correctly, but you're a professor of accounting and finance, which means that you're very sensitive this, to this balance that has to be made between uh, watching out for our health, but also the economy has been shut down for so long. What are some of the things that we should take into account as individual residents as the state starts to reopen, but we still have this virus? Uh, well, that's a very uh, nuanced question. Uh, some of the things that we should probably be aware of are that uh, one of the things that I found just recently is uh, our, we, we could do, there are lots of factors that, that will contribute towards uh, your median income. Um, and obviously, uh, where you live uh, has a lot to do with it, your housing value, et cetera. But it turns out that for every controlling for education, everything else, uh, if you live in the south side of Chicago, right, your salary is likely to be about seven, you know, fifteen thousand dollars lower than the rest of Chicago, just by chance of being in the south side of Chicago. So that means a few things. That means one number. Number the other part of that is you're more likely to be um, unemployed. So when you when you have those two. Uh, strong factors in the midst of COVID and having to realize that we have incomes and we have fixed expenditures to meet on a monthly basis, if not daily, then it was, uh, in addition to that, research also promotes that if you're on the south side of Chicago, you're more likely to be a service employee. So you're more likely to be exposed to all the risks that COVID has to offer. So it's a, it's a catch-22. One is you want to go out there with the meager uh, assistance that the federal government has provided us. One can't honestly live too long with those subsidies. Secondly, if you go out there, you're more exposed to because of the likelihood of being in the service sector is higher if you're in the south side of Chicago than you are in elsewhere in Chicago. 
So you're exposed if you go to work, and if you don't go to work, you are exposed to other other ills of society. Namely, you have lower income. So that's that be, that becomes this dilemma. So actually, I'm, I'm in a minority in the sense that I think uh, it, I think service employees should start now mobilizing, mobilizing to unionize, uh, so that so we can get adequate uh, PPE, we can get adequate wages, because what's happening inside of Chicago uh, and elsewhere around around the states, uh, as as my colleague just pointed out. What used to be related to as a put the uh, put the folks out front. Those are the jobs that no one else wants. Now they're service providers. They're 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 the line of defense between the clients, the firms, and they're trying to at the same time maximize their household income. So it's a fine line. Uh, so we have to strike the unique balance. But I, I'm a strong advocate for coalescing and trying to become part of a union because that's in the it, moving forward. That's what. That's the way that we have to get out of this dilemma that we find ourselves in. All right. Uh, you're tuning in to Debunking the Myths, COVID-19 in the black community, brought to you by our friends at Chicago State University. Our guest is uh, Dr. Ernst Coupe, uh, also Dr. Tiffany Davis, uh, Dr. Gene Marshall, and uh, George Smith, Professor George Smith. Guys, let's, um, we've only got time probably for some closing statements, so I'll, I'll start uh, with you, uh, Dr. Davis, uh, your closing thoughts, and summarize everything for us if you can. Um, I guess as a sociologist, I um, want us to have a bit of empathy towards the black community. Uh, I feel like, you know, now that we are, uh, originally we weren't even reporting statistics around racial lines, and now that it's been discovered how hard the black community has been hit we have to all we have to remember that these are humans right these are humans these are human lives people are losing family members uh, on a daily basis and so from a sociological standpoint it's easy to say hey stay in, stay in the house you all aren't respecting the social distancing orders but i ask people to again have some empathy and understanding in terms of what this situation is looking like in people's daily lives and the struggles, right, that they're engaging in around that. Again, um, I'm very critical of um, outsiders and people who jump to critique populations without, again, embedding it in, like, these larger structures and historical processes that got us to this place. So um, I, I Caution everyone. I want everyone to, um, you know, respect the stay-at-home orders when it when possible. But also, let's have a level of understanding uh, about what people are experiencing. Professor Marshall, uh, my closing thoughts are: when the vaccine becomes available, please mm. be open to receiving it. <laughs> they are making amazing progress on the vaccine. There are three groups right now conducting trials in humans, which is the next phase that needs to be done. Um, so with the progress they're making, we will be seeing a vaccine faster than we thought. And the mistrust with our with the health profession is certainly warranted with African-Americans. So I'm very sensitive to that. But as we've pointed out during this hour, we're a group who we're on the front lines and we're exposed. So we need to protect ourselves accordingly. Is it your belief that there is going to be a vaccine? It's just a matter of time. Yes, they are making amazing progress. So normally it takes at the bare minimum 12 to 18 months to bring a new drug to market. 
and they are doing human clinical trials now hmm. in four in a span of four months, which is amazing. We've never seen work done this fast. Um, and the FDA has the authority to fast track approvals as need be for emergency situations. So, yes, yeah, highly likely that we will be seeing a vaccine soon. Yeah, hope so. And I guess at that point, it'd be a matter of if they can scale up and uh, get it out to the masses. Uh, Professor Smith, sir. I would like to just say, remember good old hand washing. But one thing I can say out of this um, response is that we need more African-Americans in the health sciences, um, more African-American economics, but also more African-Americans getting advanced degrees. And I'm glad I'm at Chicago State University where I get an opportunity to play a part in creating a new African-American workforce that can help alleviate some of the inequities we have here on the south side of Chicago. That's a good comment. You, uh, it is good. You, you know what, earlier I, it, it sounded like, Professor Smith, you were about to say keep practicing safe, and then you said social distancing. For a second there, I thought you were about to say safe sex, my friend. Well, we like need COVID babies. Health, though. <laughs> 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 well, COVID <laughs> pandemic babies are going to be on the rise. I know, in right? Few <laughs> and uh, Dr. Coupe, your uh, thoughts on uh, this? Well, I would like to leave uh, two thoughts in mind for the for the community. One is cash is king. We pre- we practice that, talk about that in class a lot. Uh, unemployment in the black community is li- likely to be extraordinarily high. So hold, hoard your cash. Don't make unwise expenditures. Wow, yeah. Hoard it, hoard it, hoard it. And secondly, to uh, support what uh, Dr. Uh, George just said, um, we need to, in times like this, we need to reinvest in self, invest in human capital. Mm. So it's a good time while things are kind of looking gray outside, invest in self, get, invest in your education or skills, do anything to make yourself better. Well, enroll at Chicago State University, right? That's the, that's Absolutely. Step step one right right there. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, I think we've talked, Kim and I have probably talked about this on the show. Um, um, Dr. Coupe, you say, you know, hold on to your cash. There's some people out there that probably with the extra 600 bucks on unemployment are, are probably doing a little better than they were, you know, making minimum wage. And I know they're tempted to go out and spend it, <laughs> you know, uh, which is part of why they're giving the money because they want the economy to keep going good. But your advice is to save as much as possible. Hoard it. Yep. Hoard it. Hoard it. Hoard it. He's Hoard not it. kidding. I know, right? Good, good advice. I tell you, we do a segment every Thursday on here with attorney uh, Ted London. And uh, some of his clients, he does estate planning. A lot of his clients are are older senior citizens, and a lot of them come from that mindset to save or, or hoard it, as you put it, Doc. That's and right. and uh, a lot of them have been doing very well with their savings, more than we can expect. That's Dr. Ernst Coupe, also Dr. Tiffany Davis, Dr. Gene L. Marshall, and Dr. George R. Smith, all from Chicago State University, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, thank you guys for all participating in today's show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.